Hello, and welcome to the premiere episode of the Die by the Sword podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Gary Oaf. I'm an actor by profession, so any of our listeners in the Dallas-Fort Worth area might have seen me on stage at several of the multitude of theaters we have in the Metroplex. Or if uh, you happen to like crime reenactment series, you might have seen me on a few episodes of Murder Made Me Famous on the Reels channel. So what exactly is the Die by the Sword podcast? We are a Pathfinder actual play podcast, and we'll be playing through the Carrion Crown Adventure Path. Uh, this was Paizo's eighth Pathfinder campaign to be released, and their first true horror-themed campaign. As a fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and of Angel and uh, Charmed and so many other horror and fantasy universes, this AP really spoke to me. For those of you who don't know what Pathfinder is, it's quite similar to D&D, Dungeons & Dragons. While D&D still exists, it has gone through quite a few changes and additions. Uh, back in 2007, Wizards of the Coast, uh, the publishers of D&D, announced that they would be releasing their fourth edition that would replace and change up some of the much-loved rules of version 3.5. The great people of Paizo decided at that time to instead release their own modified version of the 3.5 game, and thus Pathfinder was born. I personally got into tabletop RPGs about 15 years ago when I discovered White Wolf and Vampire the Masquerade. I played that game system for several years before I discovered D&D 3.0 and 3.5 when I was in college. Well, life happened, and I had to quit playing for a while like most people do, and eventually I did find my way back to the nerddom that is gaming. Unfortunately, at that time, I couldn't really find anybody playing 3.5, and I didn't really like the newer editions. But I was introduced to Pathfinder through a few of my friends and co-workers, and after we discovered the Glass Cannon podcast and saw how much fun they were having, we decided it was time for us to get our own group together, and we just haven't looked back since. So for this podcast, I will be your host and Game Master. So basically, the four players will each have one character they control through the campaign, and I pretty much play everyone else. Oh boy. <clears throat> but, if you do like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, you can also check out our website at www.diebythesordpodcast.com, and you can follow us on Facebook at Die by the Sword Podcast. We also have our Twitter account. Our handle there is at DieBySwordPod. Uh, we also want to give a quick shout-out to James Armitage for our amazing theme music, and also to our friends Ed and Gavin over at Midnight Syndicate for allowing us to use their soundtracks to enhance our games and set that perfect mood for this spooky adventure. For this episode, we'll be using tracks from one of my favorite Midnight Syndicate soundtracks, The Thirteenth Hour. Specific track information will be listed in the descriptions of each episode. If you're looking for that perfect background music to enhance your games, or you just enjoy fantasy or horror-themed instrumental music, check them out at www.midnightsyndicate.com. You can also find a link to their website in the link section of our website. Alright, I've rambled on enough. Uh, let's get to know our players. Hi, I'm Richard. I'm going to be playing Rodrik Iliescu, who is a... Magus, and by all appearances looks to be human, but he's actually an Asimar. I've been playing Pathfinder for three years. My wife, uh, Noelle, who you'll be hearing from later, got me into it. I had been playing computer RPGs for decades, and she said, you'd really, really like this. And it turned out to be right. I was hooked immediately, and I've been nonstop playing ever since. My name is Elizabeth. I have been playing fantasy war games one way or another for over 40 years. 
I trace my roots back to the ancient days of Gary Gygax, uh, <laughs> when he first published Dungeons and Dragons, and I was married to a guy who wrote a different set of rules, didn't want to play Gary Gygax rules. And he and a friend uh, collaborated on a set of rules called High Fantasy, which is what we played. And they were basically borrowed from Gary Gygax. Were you supposed to play it stoned? Because it's high fantasy. Well, my hus- first husband and I did. <laughs> <laughs> the other couple were, didn't partake, but uh, uh, it never caught on as a as an alternate set of rules. But I did, in fact, become a published artist because of it. Fast forward a couple of uh, decades and different husband, different location, but found somebody else who loved to play these sorts of things and started playing Pathfinder rules. The same character, I've had the same sorcerer's character for over 40 years. She never has gone farther than level three until I started playing with Richard when he started uh, being a, a GM. And I now hope to actually finish that character and finish off all levels and actually become the dragon that I've always wanted to be. (laughs) However, I'm not playing a sorceress in this adventure, and that's kind of unusual for me because now I really don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) And I've managed for 40 years never to actually learn the rules. So (laughs) I introduced my daughter, Noelle, and my son. We played together in this uh, under this other GM, and she, of course, introduced her husband to this, and he's now a fanatic. So I'm responsible for 60% of this group that's gathered here. <laughs> that, that is true. So. That is mathematically accurate. Mathematically yes. accurate. Anyway, I'm going on too long, as usual. My character is Zenobia Serpentry. I'm a human, and I am a slayer. I don't really know my age, but I'm probably 30-ish. Uh, I don't talk much about my background. The reason I came so late to being a slayer was that I didn't start in my class until my family and village were wiped out. I'm motivated by revenge, and I tend to take the worst about people. I think the worst of people. Hmm. I'm dark-haired. If I wanted to describe how I looked at it, it would be like Mariska Hargitay. Ah, And I'm Celtic-armored. Celtic-Viking-ish type symbols. Knots and... uh, Knots. Spirals. Knots and knots and spirals. And those sorts of things. I like tartans in the winter. And, <laughs> yes. and nothing in the summer. So, there you go. Sounds like a true kilt. Is that yes. you or your character? Yes. Okay. <laughs> but speaking of uh, casting, uh, Richard, who did you say was playing, would be I, cast as your character? I didn't. Uh-huh. Uh, Roderick is cast by Richard Armitage. Yes. Ah, Richard Armitage. Love me some Richard Armitage. And I'll describe him more as we get into the game. Sounds like a plan. Up next is Noelle. My turn, the famous Noelle that the other two talked about. My name is Noelle. I am the daughter of Elizabeth and the wife of Richard. I got into playing RPGs in high school. Uh, My mom and I played in the same group as a mother and daughter duo, which was a lot of fun. We've continued that duo of characters into a couple of other games as well. I was taught on the Pathfinder system, and I have known no other. So by my estimation, it's the greatest system ever. I have nothing else to judge it by. I wouldn't argue that. (laughs) I will be playing Vivian Heatherton. She is a half-elf cleric of Shaylin from Almas. Vivian is very young, very beautiful, and very naive. Unlike uh, your character mom, who sees the worst in everyone, Vivian assumes that everyone is nice to her because people are nice, not because they're trying to take advantage of her. So this should lead to an interesting dynamic. Especially in this setting. Yeah, this is her first adventure of any sort. She's never she's never left Almas. I'm excited for the fish-out-of-water approach. She is played by a Romancing the Stone era Kathleen Turner. All right. And next up, we have Philip. Hi, I'm Philip. I am going to follow Miss Liz's footsteps 
and not really learn the rules. <laughs> I've been playing for maybe, what, two years? Maybe two years. Um, I don't know the game that well, but I know that I have fun playing it. Exactly. And other people know the rules. Yeah, so. exactly. As long as half the people at the table know the rules, you're fine. It's a, <laughs> one third of the people at this table know the rules. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, my name is Thurskel Shadel. I am a Blood Ranger. I'm also an Asimar. I'm being played by Michael Fassbender from 300. For a barbarian, I'm pretty short. I'm only 5'10", and I only weigh 160 pounds. So um, I am... skinny barbarian. I am. I am tougher up here in my mind than I am in real life. It's uh, this weird body dysmorphia that he has. My Mm. character is an inch taller than yours. (laughs) And I'm six feet tall, so I'm... Yeah, no, I'm the barbarian, the shortest character in the party. He probably is. How tall are you? Roderick is uh, 6'2". Ah, so yes, I am the shortest and the toughest and strongest. (laughs) Down with that. We'll see about that. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see who survives. Yes, so if you go to our website, www.diebythesswordpodcast.com, you can see artistic renderings of all of our characters done by our good friend Miguel, who did so for free out of the goodness of his heart and excitement for our show. Because Miguel is awesome. Yeah. Yes, yes he is. And you can also see our fantastic logo created by our other friend, Alex. Yay, Alex and Miguel. Oh, originally inspired by Philip's clip art. Oh, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't doing it for your credit. I mean, (laughs) You just had a tickle in your throat. Mm -hmm. But Alex really knocked the logo out of the park, so props to him. Yes. It's good. It was a good foundation, Philip. Good foundation. <laughs> Glad I could help. You set him off on the right direction. <laughs> I'm really excited. I yes. am. This should, too. Fun. this should be fun. Uh, oh, uh, one yes. more thing. Where Richard is uh, mysterious about his Asimar heritage, Thorskale is very proud of his, and he will mention it to anybody who asks. Why are your eyes so ruby red colored? Because I am a Asimar. Why is your skin so golden and beautiful? Because I'm an Asimar. <laughs> Does he get asked that a lot? No, but he'll tell you. Okay. <laughs> Super proud of his heritage. He is. Yes. Yes. I'm excited to play this. I'm very excited, uh, especially since my roots with gaming started with Vampire the Masquerade. I've always enjoyed the horror-themed games, and uh, Carrion Crown is one of Paizo's horror-themed Pathfinder adventures. Does reading Twilight count? No. No. Uh, fact. Oh. No. <laughs> oh, Okay. <laughs> It'll be very different for me because I've always been more on the fantasy war game, like military tactics side of it. Mm-hmm. So going more into the horror is going to be an interesting experience for me. It will be interesting. Yeah, I don't really like horror, but I do love Dracula. I like a lot of different vampire stories. Mm-hmm. I've always enjoyed the vampire mythos as long as they are done well. Well, hopefully this will turn out like uh, my favorite vampire mythos, uh, Buffy the Vampire. Uh, Buffy and oh. Angel. Yeah, uh, those, you know, scary and funny mm-hmm. uh, all at the same time. Yes. Or Blade. <laughs> yeah. I did like Blade. Blade is good. So anyway, one fun thing about this uh, adventure is the setting, which is in Ustalov, which basically equates to um, Romania, that kind of... Transylvania. Transylvania, Romania. Like where Dracula's from? Exactly. Whoa. Imagine that. I'm seeing a connection. Right? Damp. Damp is good. Which, speaking of, at the beginning of this Quaint. adventure, Quaint. it is raining. <laughs> I called it. Well, it is also raining. 
It is raining here, here as well, here in Dallas. In real life. We, in fact, had a pretty wild thunderstorm about an hour before recording. I was hoping the power was going to go out. I know. That's yeah. what I thought. It was scary. As mentioned before, our story begins in Ustalov. Imagine, if you will, the camera pans through a dark cloud as it slowly approaches a condemned and ruined prison. We hear an echoing chuckle as the camera passes by and goes down the hilltop. Thunder and lightning echo and light up the sky as rain falls heavily. We follow a road into a dark and sleepy small town, Ravengro. Quaint buildings are surrounded by farmland. The skyline is decorated with the steeple of a Farazman church and the steep roof lines of covered taverns. As we enter the town, we approach a modest home. From the outside, it doesn't appear to be much. But as we enter, we see a beautifully decorated home. We enter the foyer and then around the corner into a sitting room where we see a woman, played by Rose Byrne. She's writing a letter. The letter reads, Dear friends, I hope this letter finds you well. It is with great regret that I must inform you of the passing of my father, Professor Petros Lorimore. I have been asked by Councilman Vashian Herthmount, the executor of my father's will, to inform you that you have been named in the document. Some of you I know quite well, and others I have never met. I am touched to know of my father's fondness for you all. If my father held you in such high esteem, I can only assume you must be of good character. Consequently, I hereby extend an invitation for you to stay at my home in Ravengro while you attend the funeral and the subsequent reading of the will. It is the least I can offer you as we all mourn the loss of a great man. I have made arrangements for the funeral to occur on the evening of the 18th day of Calistro 4711. The reading of the will shall commence at my home following the interment of my father. I look forward to seeing you all and meeting those of you I have yet to meet. Can't wait to hear the stories you all have of my father. Yours sincerely, Kendra Lorimore. Kendra folds the letter and affixes a wax seal to it. She blows out a candle as we move into darkness. When the light comes back up, we are traveling through the town again, still raining. We pass a forge, shops, a town hall. We see a simple wooden gazebo and a grassy circular plaza that is the town square. On the other side is an apothecary, the outward inn, a local jail. We continue and make our way across the river to the gates of the restlands. A small group is gathered outside the gates, and a coffin is displayed. It is a funeral. Kendra Lorimore quietly cries as a man, played by Richard Armitage, delivers a eulogy. So this man is Roger Gilescu, as explained. Like I said, he's six foot two. He's fair, fairly fair skinned, but he has that trademark Ustalavian jet black hair. It's down to his shoulders, and he has a very neatly trimmed beard. And he's, by all appearances, purely human, but his eyes are a beautiful, glimmering blue-green gem tone color and he's standing there holding a paper in front of him there are two men who have now passed that i have looked up to as examples of how to be a good man the first was my father and the second was professor petros lorimore professor lorimore was a world-class scholar 
He made many discoveries throughout his career and brought forth much knowledge to the rest of Galarian. He was also a caring man and kind. Many years ago, Professor Lorimer came to my village on one of his many research expeditions. While there, he took a liking to me and recognized my potential for the arcane. He offered to tutor me, and at the University of Lipstedt he was able to teach me arcane secrets which few are able to master. While under his mentorship, Professor Lorimer treated me with equal respect to his other students, and he paid no mind to my common family background. Professor Lorimer judged a man by his accomplishments, not by his noble pedigree. He did not care about wealth or station, though he had both. What Professor Lorimer cared about was truth and goodness, no matter the personal cost. Those of us who call Ustalav our home know of the evils that lurk in the dark recesses of our world. That is why we must celebrate goodness and light where we find it. And that is who Professor Lorimer was, a man of goodness and light. Let us all strive to live our lives as the good professor did, so that through his example, light may one day finally triumph over darkness. And with that, he steps down. During that eulogy, we see the other attendees of the funeral. There are a few people from the town here. There's a couple of councilmen, one of the tavern owners. There's even uh, an apothecary. But it's a pretty bleak funeral. Not very many people have attended, except those of you that have been called. Well, I believe it. It's raining, and it's a funeral outside, right? It is. It is the rituals of this community. To get buried in the rain? No, just to do the outdoor ceremony. Oh, okay. Well, that's more understandable. (laughs) (laughs) You have to make arrangements for the day, just like any other funeral. (laughs) We really couldn't reschedule. This was the only day that worked. This was the only day that worked. (laughs) So after Roderick steps down from giving his eulogy. The camera pans and you see sitting there a tall, curvaceous woman in a classy black gown. It's modestly cut, but with her figure it doesn't really matter. You can tell that if this woman was wearing a burlap sack it would still look sexy. She's got auburn hair with streaks of golden blonde and chestnut brown. It would be impeccably styled were it not for the rain. It still looks pretty amazing, though. She's she's tucked under an umbrella, sitting there very daintily, just kind of looking around curiously at all that's going on. She's got that sexy neighbor, can I come in, it's raining outside look. <laughs> <laughs> I, I need to put my shirt in your washing machine, because that's what people do at strangers' houses. Also, her makeup perfectly accentuates her green eyes and full lips. So she's just sitting there kind of watching. Um, She seemed very interested in Roderick's eulogy and thought it was very moving. It looks like she thought that. She hasn't talked yet. Well, while the eulogy was happening, my character, Durskel, walked through town looking for the professor. The professor was going to uh, study him. Voluntarily, he wanted to be a subject of study. The town told him to go to the funeral, because that's where you're going to find the professor. Um, He listened to Roderick's words, and after, came up to Roderick and said, I'm very sorry for your loss. Uh, My name is Soreskel Schiedel. After the funeral, I would like to speak with you. Were you an apprentice of his? Yes, that is very insightful of you. I was a student of his at the University of Lipstedt. Well, I would would very much like to talk after this. Absolutely. It... uh... It was an honor to be here and speak for the man. He was he was a very, very good man. And what is Zenobia doing during all of this? 
During the eulogy, Zenobia was standing at the head of the casket with her sword out and holding it in a respectful position. My armor is polished and my eyes are always moving, especially up, watching the sky. Mm. I'm imagining like a nice plink plink of the rain on your armor. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's a good scene. You know, like in, a, in Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. when the rain first starts. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Roderick is, uh, he's in all black, obviously. He's, I mean, that's what you wear at a funeral, but that's typically what it wears anyway. <laughs> he's black leather, and uh, he's got a huge black cloak over, you can't really see, he can't, his arms are underneath it. Are we supposed to say what we're wearing? Who we're wearing? Who are you wearing? Who are you wearing? <laughs> well, I'm wearing a... Uh, Nothing. Well... He is sort of bare-chested with sort of like chain mail uh, not chain mail, scale mail armor on his shoulders and back, gauntlets around his wrist that all mirror kind of like feathers. Hmm. Um, like, like an angel's feathers. And uh, he it has a, uh, a black cloak with his hood up. Um, but under the hood is uh, his, his hair, which is, which is blonde. I, I, I can't believe his hair was under his No, hood. his hair is under the hood. Wow. Yep, he also had a face and some what? nose and what? eyes. All that. I'm so glad he has all of those. For now. <laughs> um, he has all that. But yeah, just ruby red eyes that uh, you can't tell right now because he ain't mad, but <laughs> just flare up when he's angry. When he rages, if you will. Huh. And I'm sure he will. Foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Now are they like deep red or are they like pink ruby? They are, uh, when he is fine, they're red, but it's like a brown red. Mm. Well, like a garnet. Yes, like yeah. a garnet. And they they turn bright ruby red. Like a fire's lit underneath them. Yes, exactly. Eventually, Kendra Lorimore steps back up to the podium. Thank you, Roderick, for, for delivering the eulogy. I wanted to say something about my father, but I, I didn't know if I could get the words out, so I appreciate you doing that for me. Of course. Uh, I apologize, everyone, for the rain, but it appears that even the gods are saddened by the loss of my father. I was expecting a much larger turnout, even anyone from the university, but you are all that is here. As is tradition here in Raven Grow, my father's casket must be carried through the restlands to his, his tomb. Do we have any volunteers that will I volunteer. I will help. Thank you. Yeah, and he's, as she even barely begins forming the, the question, Roderick's already stepping up to the, to the front of the I sheath my sword and take the other side. Thank you. We have uh, one more spot. Any, any others? <laughs> Vivian kind of looks around to see if anyone else is going to volunteer first. One of the councilmen will kind of raise his hand. And she's, she sees him, and she kind of does the, like, gets half up out of her seat, half not, and then she's just like... Uh, but would, would you, are you, yeah, oh, and then she's uh, like, okay, he's not going. I, I'll, I'll volunteer. Oh, thank, thank you, miss. I have a zero strength. <laughs> That's, That's okay. okay. I'm pretty strong myself. Oh. You can you can be on my side. Okay. Well, thank you. Um, uh, as is tradition, uh, being the closest relative, I must lead the way, so if everyone will... Follow me through the uh, through the dream wake. What's that? The dream wake is the name of the uh, pathway through the cemetery. It connects to the Eversleep, which is another pathway, which is where his grave is. Um, 
And it's the Restlands? It's like Restland Funeral Home? Yes. And specifically Ooh. passing around a map Here's so people map. can see what the Restlands look like. Oh. You'll be starting in that lower left-hand corner. For those who are wondering, it looks exactly what you'd expect a giant graveyard to look like. Basically. <laughs> Hold the map up to the microphone, please. It, does everyone see that? Good. Yes. Um, if Vivian had seen this map beforehand, she wouldn't have agreed to <laughs> carry the <laughs> coffin so far. <laughs> She's not strong. <laughs> She'll be complaining the whole time. She will not. She's politer than that, but she she'll be switching hands a lot. <laughs> and be like, wait, hold on. <laughs> like, it's, it's like it's, resting it's, it up on her knee while she like repositions. It's, it's it's wet. It's slipping. <laughs> it's it's not heavy. It's just awkward. Yeah. <laughs> it's well, awkward. it's it's heavy too. Kendra goes to the front of the coffin and starts walking through the gate of the Restlands, uh, making her way down. The dream wake. Are we like singing a hymn or something? Uh, you can if your character knows any. Roderick's from Ustalav, so I'm sure he knows a lot of traditional Ustalavian hymns. And he, just, hymns. he just gets one started, and it's a little off key, but I, as he starts singing and it's a little off key, um, Vivian starts like twitching a little bit, just a little. Like you can see her eyes kind of squinting, like, uh, and she might be whispering a little bit, like just a little higher, a little higher. <laughs> Is it like I'm imagining a New Orleans? trombones i feel like for Ustalov this would be a lot more somber mm-hmm. well it's the same it's like the when the saints go marching in but like as a dirge yeah. <laughs> as there's a lull zenobia starts a northern dirge so we're all singing a different song oh, nobody else for... is singing oh, anything oh, okay. zenobia is singing alone okay yeah, she waits for the first one to she waits for the first one to finish okay the dirges of the north are mysterious and moving Mm-hmm. And make the burden lighter. And I think by like the second verse, Roderick's kind of picked up on the melody a little bit. He's, he's joining in. Vivian would absolutely follow in after that. So the pathway through the Restlands, the, the Dream Wake, is a long, long pathway. Um, so we had si- time so you, for all these songs. Yeah, time to get through these. Oh, I did not sing a song. These songs. I didn't figure you did. <laughs> but you had time to get through these songs. Um as you reach about the halfway point near where the dream wake meets the Eversleep, uh, you come upon a group of 12 uh, villagers standing blocking the pathway, hmm. looking very disgruntled and angry. We put him down. That's far enough. We've been talking, and uh, we don't want Lormar buried in the restlands. You can take him up river and bury him there if you want, but he ain't going in the ground here. Kendra is very swift to respond, and in her sadness, uh, transforming to anger at this point, says, What are you talking about? I arranged it. I arranged it with Father Grimborough. He's waiting for us. The grave has already been... You don't get it, woman. We won't have a necromancer buried in the same place as our kin. I suggest you move out while you still can. Folks are pretty upset about this right now. Necromancy? Are you really that ignorant? And as she calls them ignorant, <laughs> they get even more angry and roll for initiative. Oh, 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 I have this dead guy. Do I lose points for that? We are starting off with a bang with a natural one. Initiative. initiative. This is our first roll of the game. Well, first die roll Seven of the game. Yes. Get that one out of the way. <laughs> I don't even need to tell you my number. I'm just last. Be prepared, <laughs> listeners, for this to be the continuation of my career on this show. <laughs> Their skill. 19 plus 2 is 21. Zenobia. 17 plus 3 is 20. Goldrick. 
One plus one is two. <laughs> Vivian. I got a 15, which was 14 plus one. I got this math. <laughs> it's what people come here for. And I got... Oh, wait, I'm not going to tell you because that's... <laughs> <laughs> Although I will say that these uh, thugs, as you may see, first die roll of the game was a natural 20. Oh, no. That's always fun. I get a natural one. He gets a natural twenty. This is going to be the continuing. Clear this trend. is bad for both his forebodes. So Zenobia says to the group, "I suggest we put the professor down. <laughs> put it's... the casket down. down. You can work together to uh, set the professor down. It will. It is considered a full round action for all of you to set him down. I would rather wow. set him down than drop. I him. am certainly committing my first turn to that. All right. So the. Uh, Thugs do go first. Um, Alright, so we're walking up the... Was it Dreamscape? Dreamwake? The Dreamwake. We're walking up the Dreamwake with the casket. Oh, right. Yeah, I got the pawns mixed up. So we're walking up the Dreamwake with the casket. And we run into this T-intersection where these thugs are waiting for us. We've got uh, Roderick and Zenobia on the left side of the casket in Thurskel and Vivian on the right side and then Kendra's in the front. That is correct. We're about 15 feet away from the thugs. Alright. The thugs do go first. As they, they, well, we'll just go with three of them moving up. Uh, those first three. Uh, one will step up to Vivian, uh, not to Vivian, uh, one will step up to Kendra and the other two will throw implements from where they are. So the one attacking Kendra has a miss with a 13. What's he attacking her with? Uh, he has, like, farm implements, farm tools. Oh, so, like, classic mob. Yeah. Pitchforks, you know. There'd be torches if it like wasn't that. raining. Exactly. Uh, so one chunking some farm implements. Uh, one will chunk one. Uh, who's that? That's Thurskull and... Is that Roderick in the front? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Uh, one attacking Thurskill first. Um, that will be a seven. That is a miss. Uh-huh. He, he threw a corn husk at you. <laughs> and the other attacking Roderick. It's a ten. That is also a miss. Mm-hmm. Gotta let, these are not the uh, smartest thugs in the world. <laughs> oh, sure. Blame the thugs for your own. Well, it doesn't help that it's uh, their attack bonuses. Minus three. Oh, wow. That's impressive. They must not be very good farmers. No not upper really. body strength. Not really. Um, Thurskill, you are up next. I will hold so that we can put this casket down together. Okay. Using your four-round action. Zenobia. Is the is the coffin down? No, we're... Not yet. It'll, yeah. If y'all are all doing that, there'll be your full-round action to... So, to yeah, you have to basically uh, hold until... Yes. Yeah. Okay. We have to put him down. Just making sure that's what each one of you is doing. Yeah. Vivian. No loose cannons. I dropped the casket. No. Uh, <laughs> you can. No, I have mechanics um, for that. No, she'll uh, she'll wait to put it down, but she wants to... Um, could she try to do a knowledge roll on these guys? I don't know. Knowledge, knowledge local. I can't do that. Can I... <laughs> How threatening do they look? Can I do a perception or something? Well, you can, uh, no, you can do knowledge checks and basically get a DC 10, mm-hmm. um, which would be plenty for these guys. You can just tell they're local thugs or not. Mm, that's what you're saying. They're nobody of import. I actually think what she's going to do, um, instead of a knowledge, is 
Tell me if I can. Can she roll a diplomacy while holding the casket? Yes, she can. So she's going to call out to these people. Um, and she's going to be. Uh, she's going to be like, Dear friends, this is. I, I don't know if this is an appropriate. I don't know the customs around here, but this seems an, an inappropriate way to behave at a funeral. I'm sure if we all um, calm down and got into the warmth and got a cup of tea, I think we could talk this all out. It, it's gonna, you know, it's, it's gonna be okay. We, you know, this is all very ugly behavior. It, it, we, we, aren't we all better than this? Perfect. That's a natural five. <laughs> so, that's a um, seven or an eleven if they consider me attractive. Well, they probably do consider you attractive, so I would say that's an 11. But Also, uh, that's bad math. That's a 9, not an 11. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to another continuing theme on the show is Noelle being bad at math. Yes. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Liberal arts major. Woo-hoo. Uh, well, I'm an acting major, so what does that say about me? Liberal uh, arts major. <laughs> Fine uh, arts major. Yeah. Um, yeah, that is not enough to uh, to calm them down, obviously. Um so they just. I, I am so irked by this. Can I sh- scream at them? You can scream at them if you want. Because I have a plus five intimidate. Okay. So, let's say you have one chance to get out of our way and let us go. If I have to put this coffin down and <laughs> lift it up again, you are going to regret it. <laughs> Such a mom scold. It is. <laughs> Sixteen. They, they're not backing down just yet. So I grow even taller. <laughs> you don't have that spell. <laughs> I just improved my posture. Oh, there you go. Kendra, Kendra, angered by all of this, um, looks at the one that attacked her, takes a five-foot step away. This way? Yep. And casts Acid Splash. That will provoke. She can't get out of a threatened range. Yeah. There's a coffin in the way of her retreat. <laughs> she climbs on the coffin. That wouldn't be a five-foot step. Well, You're a five-foot step. Again, I can't, the see, the, on the I can't see the map. Not so. yet. Yeah, I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> She'll move ten feet away, which will also provoke. Um, she's okay with that. And they do hit her. <laughs> of course they do. For three points of damage. Is she dead? No. Okay. And then she will cast Acid Splash. And hit that one in the front. Yes. For one point of damage. Yay! We're winning! That's that's not true. We're two points behind winning. Uh, next up is Roderick. Alright, so Roderick is at the end of the order, so at his turn, all four of us use our full round action to gently lower the ca- and respectfully lower the casket to the ground. Throw it on the ground. And as we're doing that, he calls out... Countrymen, you must understand, if you knew who this man was, he stands against all of the darkness that you are opposing at this moment. And he's going to attempt to roll diplomacy. Okay. Oh, much better. Natural 19 for a 20. That is enough for them to start backing down. Ooh. I feel like being being a native of the area, he understands where these people are coming from. Right. He doesn't agree with their views, but he totally understands why they feel the way they do. All right. Ah, fine. <laughs> I guess you can uh, bury him here, but just know we do not like this. 
if if these if our families come back as undead because he is buried here we will come looking for you if anything like that happens I assure you it does not Professor Lorimar I spent years with him in the academy he does not he did not practice anything like that and just for you if anything should happen to the professor's body I will come looking for you 17 intimidate they're kind of shaking. Yeah. They're they're so alarmed that such a short man is trying to intimidate them. Right, and we are out of initiative. And before picking the casket back up, uh, Roderick walks over to Kendra. Are you all right? I saw you got hit back there. Uh, yes, uh, thank you. I, I I will be fine. Uh, let's just con- continue along our way. Oh, uh, here comes Father Grimborough now. <laughs> what an apropos name, <laughs> Father Grimborough. I'm Professor Reaper. <laughs> it looks like this. Oh, oh my goodness. That's Father Grimborough. Wow, he is old. He's like the the guy in Toy Story 2. The, the one guy that plays chess with himself? Yeah. yeah. And the one that paints Woody's boot and like sews his arm back on? Yeah. He's like that, but gray. Very much so. And no glasses. He's very old. And very, evil. very old. He's a uh, cleric of Phrasma. Uh Father Grimborough makes his way over. He comes running with two of the gravediggers. Is, is everyone okay? Yes. We're fine. No thanks to you. Oh, that was very rude. We we came over as soon as we heard uh, the... Uh, ruckus. The ruckus, yes. We are fine. Kendra is a little bit hurt, but oh, she oh. should be okay. Oh, my dear. Uh, here, um, uh, let me heal you. And he puts his hand on her and heals her. Where so. does he put his hand? He's he's a polite old man, not a creepy old man, so he just puts it on her forehead. So she is healed back to full strength. Boop. Boops <laughs> or nose? Boops or snoot? Boops, that's snoot. Does, she, does he make that noise? Yes. <laughs> the famous Father Grimborough boot. <laughs> Boop. Boop the snoot. <laughs> These Ustalov customs are so fascinating. That is yes. just him. <laughs> yes, I, I, uh, I must apologize for Hephaenus uh, and his. His gang, they're just local troublemakers. They shouldn't cause any more problems. Hephaenus? Hephaenus. It is our custom for for me and the gravediggers to be waiting for the arrival of the casket at the, the gravesite. Um, but uh, I suppose let's make our way to that point now. Is it bad luck like seeing a bride before the wedding? <laughs> we can't get any deader. Do any of you want Dear to help me. carry the casket? Uh, the... Uh, Gravediggers, uh, if you wouldn't mind. <laughs> Vivian moves away so they can take her spot with carrying the casket. And Durs- you can see she's walking behind and she's kind of like flexing and stretching her arm. Durska still helps. Okay. Because he he wants to see the job done. Roderick does too, obviously. As does Zenobia. So only one of the gravediggers will step in. Shaking her head at the... Uh... The lady gravedigger steps in. <laughs> Vivian uh, steps away from the coffin and follows behind. You can see that she's kind of like rubbing her arms. Just so you know, a zero strength is considered average. It's not weak. I'm going to put myself in average, and I'm going to imagine being sore. Being sore and not wanting to carry a coffin. There's a long way they're carrying this coffin. It is true. What's it your constitution is. score? Your constitution score. Because <laughs> it has actually. Uh, I'm glad you put the institution at the end of that. Uh, it's a plus one. So is mine. What does that have to do? What's your strength? It's a constitution check, not a strength check. 
to carry? Yeah, it's an endurance. No, Strength she... is more bursty. Point is, she's weak. She's not carrying it. Moving on. <laughs> so those of you who are continuing to carry the casket, uh, follow Father Grimborough and Kendra to Professor Laura Moore's final resting place. The star? The, the star, star on the map? The star on the map. <laughs> yeah, Does we're still it... on the northern end of this. Uh... It's his grave in the shape of a star. No. Oh. You put him in, like, head and... Like uh, like, like Da Vinci Code? <laughs> code. Exactly. Yes. Everyone in Ustalov gets buried in the Vitruvian Man. <laughs> yes, with a stake in each hand yeah, and, and they, each and foot. They it, add and, extra and arms. And a brick in your teeth. Uh-huh. In Ustalov, man is the measure of all things. It is. Uh, you make it to the final resting place of Professor Lormar without any further incident. Thank goodness. He is lowered down into his grave peacefully, and Kendra takes a moment gathers herself to say goodbye to her father. Is there anyone else who would like to say any more words before we conclude the funeral? Vivian will step forward, and um, while she wasn't carrying the casket, she was pulling out a book of hymns and was kind of flipping through it, and she opens it up, and she stands at the grave and says, My master Armando said that this was one of the professor's favorites of the holy songs of Shailen. It's called The Sunset of the Nightingale. She begins singing it, and it's a very pretty, light song. Not too long, doesn't drag on too long. Well, she just does that and finishes, closes the book, and steps away. Zenobia steps up to the graveside and pulls out of her tartan cloak a bunch of small, very aromatic flowers. She sprinkles over the cloth. It says, stay there. <laughs> don't get up, don't get up. <laughs> on my account right. well, and there's a smell of garlic wafting into the air oh. and then Roderick uh, he steps up and he just says rest in peace good professor and he does like a religious hand gesture those of you with knowledge of religion could check and see what it was uh, 18. 18 it was a uh, it was a Torak gesture Erskill takes one of uh, the the scale pieces off of one of his gauntlets. It's shaped like a feather, remember, and he places it onto the casket. So after each of you has your moment saying your final goodbyes to the professor, Kendra comes back to talk to each of you and says, I do want to thank you again for helping with my father's funeral. Since you are all uh, mentioned in the will, uh, would you please come back to the house the councilman has business to attend to right away, but he'll be back within the hour. I would like to hear your stories of how you knew my father. Of course. Yes. Absolutely. Okie dokie. <laughs> <laughs> I'll head back to Kendra's house, which project you're probably very familiar with, because mm-hmm. uh, it was Professor Lorimar's house as well. You all head back to the Lorimar residence. Uh, you're sitting around the, uh, the sitting area near the fireplace, uh, awaiting the councilman's return to read the will. Drying off. Drying off. I have a nice scotch in hand. Uh, she's offered. Nobody's sitting near me. I'm wearing wool. It's sort of steamy. <laughs> <laughs> Kendra has offered you all cloth to uh, dry off with. And scotch. And scotch to warm up. Yeah. Okay. I tried scotch for the first time this weekend. Wasn't impressed. I enjoyed it. It was like drinking dirt. No, it's like drinking band-aids. <laughs> <laughs> Dirty band-aids. <laughs> that fell in the dirt. That certainly, certainly your blended scotches are. Yeah, blended scotches taste like band-aids. <laughs> Do you have a lot of experience tasting band-aids, Philip? If you smell a band-aid, that's what it tastes like to me. 
All right, go, Richard, go, gra- go grab the band-aids. <laughs> gonna smell it to see if it tastes like scotch. Uh-huh. I'm gonna lick it. Mm. Stuff. This tastes well, way better than scotch. It depends on oh, what kind yeah. of band-aids. You got. <laughs> if they're the cloth no, band-aids, that is it. Band-aids do taste better than scotch. <laughs> <laughs> Leaving that in. <laughs> what about duct tape? How's duct tape? <laughs> duct tape. <laughs> This this drink tastes like duct tape. <laughs> Look, I have told I you. Want, my, I, I know my daughter. My he daughter. Drinks no, please do. I like duct tape. I drink band aids. <laughs> <laughs> we weren't going to make this a drunk podcast, but here right. we are. No, we're drunk. As you're all drunk uh, on your scotch and other drinks, sitting around the. I, know, I drink too, by the way. We're, just... we're eating the little finger, the little hors d'oeuvres left yeah. the, the, for the for the. What is it called? The it's not the reception, it's but the like wake. The, 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 wake. the wake, yeah, yeah. the hors d'oeuvres and the hot dish. Sitting shiva. Mm-hmm. If she's got any brandy, that's what Vivian would like to drink. She'll definitely have brandy. Yeah, it's a pretty wealthy family, so yeah. yeah. They would have basically pretty much any of the Actually, liquors you want. Scratch that. Noelle would be drinking brandy. Vivian's going to be drinking like a sherry. <laughs> a nice port. Yeah, and as as Vivian's drying off, um, this isn't purposeful. But it's like, she looks like she's recovering from a wet t-shirt contest. <laughs> she's got a little blue ribbon that says first prize. <laughs> it just keeps happening to her on accident. She yeah. doesn't she, Oh, she spills her drink. <laughs> so she's she's sitting very daintily as close to the fire as possible, and she's she's shivering. She's not complaining, but she's just got a little cup, and she's just sipping on it. And, and Roderick keeps looking, and then like realizing that he's looking, and like he looks away, but like and then like his eyes will slowly drift back again. <laughs> I think she catches you at one point and just smiles, like, really brightly. Zenobia walks over to her and just says, Where are you from? <laughs> oh, um, I'm from Almas. Oh, that explains a lot. <laughs> have, you, have you been there? I've heard about it. Yes, what did you hear? That it's a very happy place. <laughs> Parts of it are for sure. I've always, I only have happy memories from there. Where are you from? I'm from not such a happy place. Oh, oh dear. But I don't like to talk about it. Oh, okay then. Well, if you ever want to, um, part of my lessons was in counseling, and so I've That's got some fine. of the basics Thank about... Thank you so much, yes. Bless your heart. <laughs> so whenever you, whenever you want to talk, I'd be you know more than willing to listen. Thanks. I'll keep that in mind. Did you know the professor? Um, I didn't. No, not directly. I am an ambassador here for one of my masters, um, one of the head clerics, Armando Fellini. He is our lead dance cleric at the Temple of Shailin in Almas, but he was not able to be here. He sprained his ankle recently Uh, and so could not travel. Do you do battle dance? Um, we do have some battle dances. I haven't learned any yet. I'm very new. Uh. Uh... but Armando knew the professor. He helped him unlock a puzzle into an ancient tomb by dissecting and, and figuring out the ancient tribal choreography, the dance that was needed to huh. open the tomb. It's very exciting. Huh. We've got some um, tablets of this incident drawn um, at the temple. When did this happen? When did he unlock it, or when did the tomb? Yes. It was many years ago. I'm not. I'm not sorry. I wasn't there. I was. I hadn't been called yet to the priesthood. Clergy. To your to your vocation. Yes. We didn't have any priests of your type up in my village, my home village. So I'm very curious about this. Shaylin is not popular here. I don't come from here. I oh. come from the north. 
Oh, and Shay, you, you do not have Shaylin up there? No. She might be known by a different name, but she's the goddess of beauty and love. There wasn't much beauty. No love? There was a lot of love. Well, wherever there is love, Shaylin reigns. So, Roderick has spent most of the time talking with Kendra. Kendra, it's very nice to, to get back in touch with you. It has been many years. Yes, it has. <laughs> I have missed you, but you understand. I had to go back. My father passed, and my mother, she really needed me, so I had to be there. And the town needed me when I got back, so I just stayed there. I do understand, yes. But I am very much in debt for what you and your father have done for me. We're in the corner listening, going... <laughs> How's that for the for the microphone? What are we What are we doing? We're looking and making gestures like oh, they were boyfriend and girlfriend. <laughs> and 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 you're trying. To, I think you're trying to explain this to Vivian, and she's just like, "What?" <laughs> Finally, I slap my head, and walk away. <laughs> Would you say uh, Roderick had an attraction for Kendra? Oh, oh, certainly. Like she's she's totally his type. Mm-hmm. Like you know, she's she's very intelligent, and she's got like a nice. Ustalavian look to her. <laughs> like Olga? <laughs> I'm imagining the, the lady with like the cinnamon bun hair and uh, not well, Princess Leia. Well, now I'm thinking of young Frankenstein. With the roll, roll, in roll, 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 I love her. Um, what's so her Terry Gar is Terry Gar. Yes. I love Terry Gar. So, so what was he up to in the final years? I was not in as much contact as I would have liked to be. He, he had been studying uh, uh, more of the the esoteric matters as he enjoyed doing um he was really interested in finding out more about the um, the whispering tyrant mm, yes those are those are dark matters Usulab is definitely the place to look into it uh, yes that is true <laughs> um he did lots of research up at the university where he also taught as you know and was studying all the darker matters like the the dark tapestry and uh, studying otherworldly creatures like uh, uh, the werewolves and vampires that have been rumored to be around here for years. We certainly have had enough dealings with those types of creatures, in my experience. Yes. So Zenobia is uh, eavesdropping on this. Bored with Vivian. Bored with Vivian. <laughs> and she just uh, making clenched jaw looks as they talk about uh, the undead. I like that clenching and unclenching her jaw. Yes. <laughs> It was a it was a werewolf that took my father, as, uh, as I have heard it. I was not here, but that's what my mother tells me. He had been hunting them, hadn't he? Yes, he was. He was quite good. She said that a bit uh, hair flippy. <laughs> oh, he'd been hunting them. She's wanting to prove that she paid attention. Yes. <laughs> Be- before my time at the academy, I did study under my father. He was very gifted in the martial arts. He taught me how to wield a sword. Ah, yes. But you've become quite adept with the arcane as well. Yes, uh, I believe that comes from my mother. It it, it has convalesced very well in my uh, abilities. Yes, it makes you a, a true leader in my opinion. Well, Miss Zenobia is rolling her eyes, <laughs> takes another big belt. <laughs> cue, when cue will the, this will cue be Cue the read? music. <laughs> <laughs> we, don't, we don't have that. What is it? Uh... Careless, careless whisper. whisper. I don't have that prepared, but right. we gotta get that. <laughs> if this is gonna be a theme, I'm gonna have to get that ready in the future. Um, is there a mirror over the fireplace? Uh, not over the fireplace, but there is probably one nearby. So after Vivian's dried off, she's going to move over to the mirror and just make herself more presentable. 
it may appear that she's she's just vainly focusing on herself, but really she's just trying to look more presentable for the situation. Is anybody in the room avoiding the mirrors? No, Thurscale is in the mirror too. <laughs> We're standing next to each other. Yes. <laughs> Primping. He is wringing out his long golden hair. Oh, you do have lovely hair. Thank you. I grew it myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how fascinating. I, I grow my hair too. It looks very good. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this is where we'd be playing Chaos Whisper again. <laughs> and, um, but the Chaos Whisper would play when I looked into the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, I don't think I get and then, because uh, he's in love with himself. And then, uh, I don't think I know the song. The do 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 do. You know it. Anyway, okay. um, George, Michael, George Michael, saxophone. Oh, 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 okay, okay. Uh, and then we look at Vivian looking in the mirror, and it's got some like super bubbly, like da 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 da, da just something like <laughs> totally unrelated to the scene. Um, but she's going to make herself presentable, and then go. So up. what is she doing? Like a tits up? <laughs> no, no, no tits up. Um, she's not focusing on the tits. <laughs> but Thurskill is doing that thing, you know, with the muscles. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 like John Cena. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Very, very Terry Crews. Chris uh, Masters. Was Chris Masters would wake him wink. The masterpiece. Yeah. Um, so, and I think Vivian probably looks over as you're doing it. She's like, oh, that's a remarkable talent. Yes, well, I'm very strong. Oh, understood. Yes. <laughs> and then... um. She's gonna, you know, so she's she's fixed her hair and she's fixed her makeup and now she wants to go. Um, she basically wanted to make herself presentable before going over and and speaking to Kendra. Um, so she waits until they kind of have a lull in their conversation. She'll step up and uh, so just to her the setting scene. Once the once Roderick's conversation with Kendra kind of like quiets down, he starts making his way over to Thorsko, mm-hmm. and as he does that, they pass. Yeah. And as they pass, you notice that Vivian smells amazing. <laughs> Noticed. <laughs> she smells like donuts. <laughs> <laughs> Delicious donuts. Donuts. Donuts and donut house coffee. Mm. <laughs> I was thinking more amber and jasmine, but you know, donuts too. She smells like whatever Roderick fantasy. I finally understood the donuts and coffee thing recently when I was at lodge and I was having, I was drinking coffee and then I had donut. And, like, when the two flavors mixed in my mouth, it was, like, this amazing, smoky, like, ooh, this is why this is a thing. It's I get perfection. it now. It is. Welcome like, to adulthood, Richard. <laughs> I, well, I noticed it, so at least give me credit for observing <laughs> it on my own. I'm telling you welcome. Of, yeah. So, Vivian walks up to Kendra and uh, says, Mistress Lorimore, I want to thank you for your hospitality during this trying time. Of course, it's the least I could do. As you know, I did not know your father directly, but my um, my master, who I le- have learned under at the cleric school, um, spoke very highly of him. And uh, it's an honor to be representing the the Church of Shaylin here for your father. Uh, yes, uh, my father would have been uh, uh, pleased to have you here in, in place of your mentor. Now, I must say, I'm... I don't want to say concerned, but I'm not sure how how proceedings will proceed with my master being mentioned in the will, if I will be allowed to collect oh. for him. 
you are here on his behalf. Anything that my father would have left to your mentor, you, you'd be able to, uh, to take on his behalf. Excellent. And then you can deal with your mentor at that point to... Um, Kill him, yes. Well, I was going to <laughs> say to speak to him uh, in discussions of how to handle payment arrangements. But um, sure, if killing him is what you want to do, that I'm sure that I, is. I just thought that that's what you were implying. Uh, uh, no, um, that is not what I was implying. <laughs> Maybe. Thank you for coming. <laughs> <laughs> While this super awkward conversation is happening, uh, Roderick moves over to uh, Thorskill. Uh, Mr. Thorskill. How did you know the professor? Uh, we met once when my tribe came through Ustalav before. And my car broke down. <laughs> <laughs> he was fascinated by my tribe of Asimar. Usually we don't, we're not very barbaric, but we made an exception. <laughs> yes, I was going to ask. It's clear that you're not of the same stock as uh, nor the normal people the normies. of Ustalav. No, 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 not at all. I'm not from Ustalav. I'm from all over. All I, over? What does that mean? It means that I am from a, a nomadic tribe. We mm. we pride ourselves on, on being, for lack of a better term, avenging angels. Oh, that is a uh, that is something we would definitely need in Ustalav. Yes, well, unfortunately, my tribe and I have had a bit of a struggle. I've recently left. Oh. Yes, so... Um, I, I came here because the professor was very interested in all of us, but um, I had questions about my heritage that I wanted him to answer. Maybe he could help me with. Well, if there was one man who could help you, it was the professor, but unfortunately, he's, he's dead. Uh, he he's has dead. passed. <laughs> you were his apprentice, were you not? I was, yes. So how long did you study with him? About three years. That's not very long for an apprenticeship. It got cut short, unfortunately. My, uh... My father was murdered. And well, I'm sorry to hear that. Yes, I had I had to say my goodbyes and come back home because my mother needed me. Yes, well, I lost my mother before I could even form memories of her. Oh, that's too bad. Yes. My, well, mo my mother and I are, are very close, so I cannot imagine what it would be like to not have one. Did Thurskell just say that as like, a, my fish is bigger than your fish? No, that was not comparing those. That was trying to be empathetic. Oh, okay. See, people are confused when I try to be empathetic, too, so I, I feel you, Philip. <laughs> My mother died years ago. My mother died when I was a baby. <laughs> but I had the good fortune of knowing my father. He was a very good man. Yes. Um, so I go and I talk to Kendra. Your father was good to me. and He hired me when no one else would and helped me develop my class skills. But through all of this, I haven't heard how he died. What happened? We are not quite sure. It must have been something in his uh, studies at the university led him to the Harrowstone prison. He was found uh, outside the front entrance of the prison, and one of the gargoyles from on top of the prison had fallen on him and crushed him. Oh, uh, so, that is tragic. Uh, unfortunately, there was his body was too damaged um, for us to try to speak with the dead to, to find out what had happened. I, I know that this is a difficult question, but was there any other damage to his body? Was it just the crushing? Was there any it appeared anything to, else? Was he stabbed? Was he? He didn't look to have any uh, stab marks on him. Um, from what the uh, uh, the authorities here have said, they only told me that the gargoyle crushed him. 
Do you know what he was studying? I, I am not sure. I know he had been studying the Whispering Tyrant. Um, mm. But mm. Uh, other than that, I, I'm not sure what led him to the Harrowstone. Well, it is a great tragedy and loss for all of us. It is. Well, I'm very sorry. He was good to me, and I pledge myself to your safety as much as I pledge to him. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. I think uh, Vivian was standing there as you said all this. And then she's like, oh, that is such a sweet gesture. She just kind of like whispers that to herself. That is such a nice gesture. Uh, can, I, can I do one thing? Yeah. Roderick is looking at uh, Thurston. He says, yes, you are a spitting image of an Azimar, but I feel like there is something else. There's something, some other magic presence that... Like a super Azimar? No. <laughs> <laughs> I see where you're going, but no, it is... Sorry. It is of a different essence. There is something else mixed in. I cannot tell. I just tell. I can know that there are. There is more than one essence giving play at any given time. Can I confide something in you? Yes. <laughs> We've only just met, but. When I rage, I've noticed that I grow claws. I've never seen anyone in my tribe grow claws. I do not know, but I would imagine that is the other essence. Whatever it is, that is what is manifesting. Since you have confided in me, I will confide in you as well. I am also Asmar. Really? On your mother's side? (laughs) (laughs) I can't even continue this. (laughs) No, on my front side. (laughs) We do not know. Um... As far as I'm aware, neither my mother nor my father were. It appears to be have been latent. Oh, you're adopted. <laughs> it is okay. We we pick up strays all the time in my tribe. <laughs> this is awful. I can't keep up with Philip. <laughs> okay. Um. Adoption can't give you the physical traits, can it? <laughs> it's like maybe can in this I'm, world. I'm pretty. <laughs> This was a mistake. I'm going to go over there now. <laughs> I'm going to go stare at Vivian's butt. Okay. Oh, well, uh, I walk up to Kendra. Where is that administrator? <laughs> he should be here um, any moment now. Well, he'd better be. <laughs> <laughs> so, Roderick, uh, he sort of does that, like, nervous, like, clearing his throat and, like, kind of, like, gathering his courage thing and kind of, like, walks up to, to Vivian. He's about to start a conversation. And about that time, the councilman uh, arrives, the executor of the will. He looks very uh, hurried, like he doesn't really want to be here. There's a lot of outsiders here that aren't from the town, and he doesn't seem very happy about that. It's very rude. You don't even need a sense motive on that to tell Mm -hmm. us what his motives are. He's just not happy about outsiders being here. He's very old and grouchy. (laughs) The other old guy was a lot nicer. (laughs) This is true. He was also a cleric. This guy's just a councilman, so... Kendra sees the councilman step in. Oh, Councilman Hearthbound, thank you for coming. I I hope you made it uh, easily with all the rain and storms going on right now. Ah, uh, yes, yes, uh, I I am fine. Um, shall we do this now? Is everyone here? Yes. Yes. All right. Uh, I will just get down to business so I can get home because it is way past my bedtime. <laughs> I'm sorry to inconvenience your schedule. You should know better for the future. Try to die more conveniently for you next time. I'd appreciate that. <laughs> um, 
the councilman pulls out a uh, scroll case, and it, the scroll case has the professor's personal seal on it that is unbroken. He then breaks the wax and opens the case. As he does so, a small iron key falls out of the tube. Thank. Um, it clatters noisily onto the table. He seems to not really care about the key and just undoes the scroll uh, and begins to read. I, Petros Lorimore, being of sound mind, do hereby commit to this parchment my last will and testament. Let it be known that, with the exception of the specific details below, I leave my home and personal belongings entire to my daughter Kendra. Use them or sell them as you see fit, my child. Yet, beyond the bequeathing of my personal effects, this document must serve other needs. I have arranged for the reading of this document to be delayed until all principles can be in attendance, for I have more than mere inheritance to apportion. I have two final favors to ask. To my old friends, I hate to oppose upon you all, but there are few others who are capable of appreciating the true significance of what it is I have to ask. As some of you know, I have devoted many of my studies to all manner of evil, that I might know the enemy and inform those better positioned to stand against it. For knowledge of one's enemy is the surest path to victory over its plans. And so, over the course of my lifetime, I have seen fit to acquire a significant collection of valuable but dangerous tomes, any one of which, in the wrong circumstances, could have led to an awkward legal situation. <laughs> While the majority of these tomes remain safe under lock and key at the Lipstadt University, I fear that a few I have borrowed remain in my trunk in my Ravengrow home. While invaluable for my work in life, in death, I would prefer not to burden my daughter with the darker side of my profession, or worse still, the danger of possessing these tomes herself. As such, I am entrusting my chest of tomes to you, posthumously. I ask that you please deliver the collection to my colleagues at the University of Lepstad, who will put them to good use for the betterment of the cause. Yet, before you leave for Lepstad, there is the matter of another favor. Please delay your journey one month and spend that period of time here in Ravengrow to ensure that my daughter is safe and sound. She has no one to count on now that I am gone. And if you would aid her in setting things in order for whatever she desires over the course of this month, you would have my eternal gratitude. From my savings, I have also wheeled each of you a sum of 100 platinum coins. Whoa. Each? Each. <laughs> for safekeeping, I have left these funds with Embrith Deramid, one of my most trusted friends in Lipistad. She has been instructed to issue this payment upon the safe delivery of the borrowed tomes no sooner than one month after the date of the reading of this will. I, Petros Lorimore, hereby sign this will in Ravengrow on this first day of Calistril in the year 4710. We don't get the money until we deliver yeah, this. that's what I was thinking. <laughs> right. So I guess no everyone dough. in the room slowly looks at Kendra. No dough for a month. Roderick says... I do not have anything pressing at home. It would be a pleasure to accompany you for one month. Or more, as you deem necessary. I would truly appreciate that. It would be nice to have you here. It is the oath of my tribe to protect, so you have my hammer. It's my pledge to your father. Thank you. Um, I am sure I know where this uh, this trunk is. Um, my lady, do do you intend to stay on as well? In place of your, uh, your mentor. I will. I 
probably need to send a letter off so that they know that it'll be longer. Kinda, she kind of has to, right? What? Like, you're kind of obligated at this point. Yeah, she's just going to send a letter off to home first. No, I was just staying for, like, story background. You're confusing me. I will. I um, must first, well, I'm not first, but I will be emailing my... Email. <laughs> <laughs> you seriously just said that without irony. <laughs> So, so ectoplasmic <laughs> mail. I will be. I will be ectomail. I will be Galarian the, equivalent. The ethereal ravens. That's what we mean by email. I will send a raven. I will ethereally mail. Some might call it email. <laughs> I like this. I think we should develop this as an option. Nope. Ethereal <laughs> mail is now a thing on this podcast. So what would that be? Uh, what What is your um, but, uh, wait, mentor's wait. name again? I thought ether was spelled with an A. It, uh, Armando. A E. Armando. Yeah. So would they're that be together. <laughs> Armando at ethermail.com. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll need to send an email to my The funny part was you just completely said that with a straight face without realizing how ridiculous <laughs> it was. <a> text. <laughs> Let me go make a phone call. <laughs> I have to send an ethereal mail to my um, <laughs> my master. To my, <laughs> to my master to let him know of the plans um, in case he feels at this point that he must take my place instead. Oh, I completely understand. Um, uh, you have access to all of... Uh, Your internet. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Get the Wi-Fi password! <laughs> you have access to all of my uh, ethereal stationery. Um <laughs> It glows. It's like rainbow. It glows. Um, yeah. It's got unicorns. <laughs> you will have to change the signature because it automatically fills. <laughs> and unfortunately, the connection isn't very good right now because of the thunderstorm. <laughs> this is true. It's still dial-up here in, in Ustalov. We haven't gotten cable yet. <laughs> the files. <laughs> the will-o'-wisp signal is not very strong. <laughs> Send a clacks. <laughs> oh, that is so. <laughs> Thank you. Can I get the Wi-Fi password while we're at it? Uh, uh, sure. Yes, it. I've been trying to connect the entire time. <laughs> oh. Yes, it, it is uh, Raven one two three. <laughs> capital is Raven R. Capitalized? Yes. <laughs> yes, it is a capital R. I should have mentioned that. Case sensitive. Oh, we're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so the so Galarian now has ether mail. <laughs> Next, well, they're going to set up a class system, right? Yeah, like in Terry Pratchett. So after you uh, uh, send your ethereal mail, um... I just just give me five minutes. I'm sure he'll be up. <laughs> <laughs> you just Ding! Send the, you just send, the, just send the first one. You up? <laughs> you, you just, just says, hey, <laughs> hey. You up. He sends an eggplant back. Oh no! <laughs> she responds with the the peach symbol. Uh, uh, that's gone off the rails. Uh, so she sends an email. Here's back in five minutes. Ding. Yeah, he says it's cool. <laughs> well, uh, in that case, I shall uh, uh, go up and uh, get the uh, trunk from my father's bedroom. So she goes up the stairs um, and comes back a few moments later um, with the trunk. Uh, She's a strong chick. She is. Why didn't she carry the coffin? Because that is not she tradition. She had to lead the procession. She had to lead the procession. Yeah, whatever. 
the key that fell out of the the scroll case appears to fit the lock on the trunk perfectly. Roderick wants to detect magic before anything happens. Nothing on the lock or the key. Okay, that, that subsides his fears. Very well. So I guess if there's uh, no objections, I'll open the trunk. <laughs> I did not detect anything amiss. I... I, I don't really know the situation here too much, but the impression I got from the letter is that maybe someone other than you, Kendra, should open the trunk. Perhaps this gentleman, and she gestures to the weird ASMR guy who thinks he's really tough. And I take the key out of, who has it? Kendra. Kendra, I take the key out of her hand and I open the trunk. Okay. <laughs> don't ask, you just do it. <laughs> right. I am the bravest. Don't need to ask twice. Don't even need to ask once. You open the trunk. See tomes inside, and we'll see you next time. Ooh. Ooh. That is episode one.